0: Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 1045 AM. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Amen. If you guys have your Bible, go to 1 John chapter 5. We're going to jump in today. Um, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun, fun day today. If you're a visitor, welcome. Uh, We love to have you guys. We call ourselves a family, so by default, you're part of the family today. Um, We have about two weeks left in in 1 John, so we've taken the last roughly eight weeks um, through the summer, and we've worked through 1 John, June, July, and now dipping in here into August. And so thank you guys for hanging with us as we work through this. Um, It's been a good walkthrough. Hopefully, it's been a good walkthrough for you. The theme of 1 John is... Love. Much better. Much better. The theme of First John is love. Everything you read about First John seems to deal with love. And so our whole goal was that we would build this identity of love within us so that by the time that we finished with this, the rest of the year, we said kind of August seems like to be a season change in people's lives. And so if we can have what comes from us the identity of love in us, then we'll be able to walk a little bit more closely, probably with the Lord, and love one another a little bit more deeply. And so that was kind of our heart as we went through John, First John, was that we would have a response to God's love. Now there was something that we said um, that we wanted to establish as well, that once we get established in God's love, his commands don't become so burdensome, amen? Once we get established in God's love, That was a little bit of a muffled amen, okay? Once we get established in God's love, following his commands, don't become so burdensome. Amen? Amen. Okay. Just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. And and here's why. Because today we're going to talk about loving obedience. Not just loving obedience like it's love, but loving it in your heart like you love to walk in obedience. And so we're going to work through this today. 1 John chapter 5 If you guys have your Bible, starting with verse 1, it says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. So we love God, and then we love God's people, right? So we love God, we love God's people. Verse 2, this is how we know, somebody underline this. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. Somebody say commands. Oh, I heard some kids in there. (laughs) Boom. Raising them well right there, brother. (laughs) Now they're going to go, does that mean we have to listen to you, dad? I mean, okay. Um, Then he goes on and he says in verse 3, in fact, this is love for God. So this is how we know that we love God's kids okay, other believers, and this is how we know that we love God. This is love for God, to keep his, somebody say commands, commands, and his commands are not burdensome, his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes, that overcame the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen and amen. So, Father, do a work in our hearts with this text today that we would be changed by the love of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, when we talk about obedience commands, I'm just going to say right now, this is not everybody's favorite topic, all right? When you start talking about obedience to God's commands right now, about half of the room goes, all right? The other half goes, don't talk about me, don't talk about me, don't talk about me, right? Because when we talk about obedience, there's something in our heart that wants to raise up in that message going, man, I don't, I like the love of God, but the whole obedience thing, oh, I struggle with. I was uh, watching um, a Karate Kid this last week. Anybody remember? Not the new Karate Kid. I'm talking about Daniel's son. You guys know what I'm talking about? I was watching Danielson and, and of course I'm working on the message and obedience and and kind of the whole thing and Karate Kid, the very first one. If you have not seen it, go watch it, alright? Not saying it's a great movie, but it's a God movie, alright? So So you've got Karate Kid, you've got Daniel's son, and he comes to Mr. Miyagi, right? And he wants to be trained by Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi tells Daniel's son that he needs to do like these menial tasks, like wax on, wax off. Amen? Wax on, wax off. And so he basically gives him a bunch of chores. And as you're watching this, I'm like, my kids need to watch this right now. And I'm watching this, and he's doing these chores. And, and Daniel's son, at that moment, Daniel doesn't see how this is coordinating into how are you teaching me karate? How are you teaching me to defend myself? How are you teaching me to fight, all right? And so Mr. Miyagi's like, no, 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 wax on, wax off. And he's like, this is crazy. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to listen to his commands. He doesn't want to follow what he's saying. He thinks it's all meaningless. But if you watch the movie, all right? And at the end, when he's locked in his epic battle, he uses his wax-on, wax-off skills because those skills taught him how to fight. Amen? Because he followed the commands of Mr. Miyagi, he learned that those were actually things that he was going to use in his everyday battle. And then he gets to that place where you see him up on the pillar doing the crane. Come on now. Who did not practice that on your brother and sister? Who? Come on. And so had he not obeyed, like, why am I out here on a pillar standing for an hour? Why am I doing this? And that's how he defeats Johnny, and everybody's got a Johnny in their life. You know what I'm talking about? So here's the thing. All of that, I'm watching this, and I'm going, it's those menial things, like, why? Why do this? Why do this? That actually led him to win his battle. And then I think about you and I today, that when we walk in God's commands, even the ones, even the commands where we're just like, why? that those are things that help us to end up winning the battle, amen? There's something about following God's commands that even when you and I in our mind are going, why? Why Why do this? I don't understand, why am I doing this? That God is teaching us through those little acts of obedience that when the battle comes, we will be ready. As I was working through this, I I don't know what it is about commands and rules and obeying, but it's not something that I automatically am drawn to in my own life. I have a bit of that rebellious nature in in me. And so when I see a sign that says like, you know, that's got no diving, no running, you know, no trespassing, something in me and maybe in you sometimes goes, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna break the rule, right? Come on now, is that you? Raise your hands if that's you. Okay, there's a few of us in this place that we're just, we're being honest. There's something when you see the sign that says no running, you're like, I'm gonna walk really fast, right? And some of us in here, we're like little rule breakers, like don't chew gum, and then you chew gum anyways, right? And then some of us, we're kind of big rule breakers. Like when I take my kids to the movies, for instance, and our whole family goes, it's easy for me to drop $100 with four kids and me and my wife, six of us, right? And so if we wanna get the tickets and we wanna get food, so we go to the Dollar Tree. Anybody else go to the Dollar Tree? This is confession time. We wear baggy sweatpants and we load Mike and Ikes. I feel like we, duck, we duct tape the pop to our, you know what I'm talking about? And we walk in there and we're like, I need six tickets, <laughs> right? Because you're loaded down with Dollar Tree. You know you do it. This just confession time. We load ourselves down and we walk in there, your Mike and Ikes are like, tsh, tsh, tsh. you're like, nothing to see here, you know? It's ridiculous. But there's something in us in that moment. My kids, see, this is what happens. My kids, they're like, Dad, are we going to dollar tree? Are we going to hide this stuff? Are we going to hide this stuff? I'm like, what are we teaching them right now? What? what are, anybody work in the movie theaters at all? All right. I've just offended somebody in here. This is why obedience is important. It's important because at the end of the day, if we can learn it when we're young and we can walk in it, then when the enemy comes, and he will come, we're ready to defend him. We're ready to fight him off. We're ready to defend ourselves from him, amen? And so when when John here talks in 1 John chapter five, verse one, what he's saying is that obedience is a big deal because when we find ourselves in obedience, we find ourselves in God's love. This is what it means to love God. This is what scripture, this is what it means. If you've ever asked yourself, what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love God? How do I know if I'm loving others? He tells us right here by carrying out his commands. Now there's something really big that we need to know today, it's a simple truth. It's a simple truth and we read about it in the Old Testament and that is this. God tells us something about obedience versus sacrifice in the Old Testament. We've talked about this before in here but in 1 Samuel chapter 15, you see the King Saul. King Saul, this is before David. You see King Saul and he's in a position of leadership. And he's not following what God told him to do, just little things like, hey, don't make the sacrifice, wait for Samuel to come. You see these things that Paul is just, he's not following the Lord's commands. He's doing whatever feels good to him. He's pleasing the people and not God. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, it says this, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than the offering of the fat of rams obedience and submission is better than you and I saying, I've sure sacrificed a lot for the Lord. I've sure given up a lot for the Lord. I've sure done this for the Lord. I've sure done that for the Lord. When it comes down to it, obedience and submission, he's telling us right here, are better than what you and I sometimes go, boy, I sure have given up a lot for the Lord and sacrificed a lot. He's like, forget about that stuff. Are you walking in obedience to his voice? And then he says in verse 23, Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. A long time ago, I wrote in my Bible, be careful for these two things, because in my heart of hearts, there's a tendency at times of rebellion." And I want you to note what he says, rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. Now, I could tell you right now, Lord, I'm never dabbling in witchcraft. I'm never going to mess around. Lord, I know that you're God. And he's saying, when you're walking in rebellion, you're toeing the line. But then he says something else, stubbornness. Something you and I would be like, does it really matter that I'm stubborn? I don't know. He says stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. So there's a thing in our heart where we check ourselves to say, have I just told the Lord I'm going to sacrifice a lot or am I actually walking in obedience? This is a big deal to the Lord. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. There's a quote that I read that says, Obedience is acting in line with who God says you are. Obedience is acting in line with who God says you are. Therefore, disobedience is making excuses. Disobedience occurs when we act out of alignment with our true identity. So if you're struggling with walking in obedience and and your your, your tendency is to go towards disobedience, maybe the issue isn't about the thing that you're doing. Maybe it's you don't really know right in this moment who you are in Christ. And I tell you, when when I read that quote, I began to think about that in my own life. What drives me at times towards disobedience? It's because I forget that I'm a son of God. I forget that he adopted me into his family. Maybe times in your life you forget that you're called children of God. You've been adopted in as sons and daughters. You've been adopted into the family of God. When we say yes to God, listen to this. When we say yes to God, we must by definition say no to something else. Amen? So if I'm giving God my yes, then I'm probably giving my no to the other things in life. When we respond to the voice of God, I love what I read in this. When we respond to the voice of God, we grow. When we say yes to the Lord, it enlarges our capacity to be trusted by Him. That's why God wants your obedience. We'll talk about this here in a minute. Your obedience isn't salvation. Your obedience isn't what saves you. Jesus saves you. Your obedience is that God looks at you and says, I can trust you. I can trust you with more capacity to do the things that I want you to do, to be called upon to do the things that I want you to do. Our vision grows and all of our true development in us stems from this simple place of obedience. In fact, Jesus gives us a good reminder of this in his own life in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, just to make sure you understand that God isn't asking us to do something that he didn't do. Jesus already did this for us. While Jesus was on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned, somebody say, obedience. He learned obedience from the things that he suffered. So here's God saying, man, I understand. I resonate with you. I understand everything that you've been through, my son has gone through. Jesus has gone through. There's not anything that you're going to go through that Jesus didn't go through. The difference is that Jesus was perfect, and we know that. Amen? He was perfect. He was without sin, without blemish, without spot, which is why he was the perfect sacrifice. And so right here it says Jesus learned obedience from the things that he suffered. Obedience is our calling, our responsibility. The outcome is God's responsibility. So we walk in obedience, and then God's responsibility is the outcome of whatever happens with that. So why is obedience so hard? It's one thing if you sit here and you buy into this now and you say, okay, yeah, obedience, obedience to God's commands. I get it. It's what John's saying. This is what it means to love God. This is how we know that we love others. Walk in his commands. Why is it so difficult? Because obedience does not come natural. You don't birth a child and all of a sudden they're the perfect child. Amen? Otherwise, we need to talk through some things. I'm just saying. You don't birth a child, and all of a sudden, that child is raised up, and by the time they're in their twos and their threes, they're just saying, thank you, ma'am, yes, sir, I've got this, I will never ask, I will never beg, I will never throw a tantrum, okay? Write a book if that's your children right now. But that's not how it goes. You birth a child, and what do you have to do? Train that child up. Teach that child. Discipline that child. Set parameters around that child. Set structures around that child. Why? Because you love and you care for that child. Our natural tendency is that that child, our natural tendency in life, is that that child will not learn what it means to be obedience if you're not taught. The natural course of their life is gonna always be to self and what they want, and usually it's destructive. Usually it's, destructive it's because of sin and our sin nature we're born in to sin nature no one is perfect no one is with, is without sin no one can say they're without sin it's said it all, earlier in 1 John if you say you're without sin you're a liar and the truth is not in you so we're born into this sin nature and so disobedience comes easy with that so a couple of reasons i think that we struggle with this and number 1 is we don't see obedience as love we see it as control we don't see obedience as love we 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 simply see it as control over my life Again, verse 3, this is love for God to keep his commands. We think this is just a way of God trying to control me. We think this is just a way of God trying to take away my fun. And so we don't see it as love. We see it as control. So although we respond to God's love, I love, God, your love. I love your grace. I love your mercy. I just don't want to be controlled. This is the tendency that I find with most people that I meet. Have you given your whole self to the Lord? Well, most of it, because there's that control piece. I don't want to be told what I can and I cannot do. I want to live my life. Live and let live. Can't God just let me live and let live? No. He can't do that. It's not in his nature to let you just go on living in your sin nature. If we simply preach the first part of 1 John 5, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, most of us in that moment are just like, stop, that's beautiful. Can we just stay there? Can we just stay there? If I could just stay there, everything is good. But if you start to ask me, do you believe in Jesus? Sure I do. And then you continue to ask me further questions. Don't ask me about how I live my life. Don't ask me about if I love my neighbor. Don't ask me of if I do things that please the Lord. Because I like this first part, everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God. Well, I believe that Jesus is Christ. I'm born of God. And so in that moment, we don't wanna move to the next part. But the next part is just as important. And this is how we know the love of God, that we follow his commands. You see, love and obedience are not optional extras we don't get to say man i acknowledge that jesus is the lord and then maybe i'll take the love and obedience part it's all intertwined and wrapped together in scripture love is always defined with its, its activity especially the activity of obedience. You'll see it all throughout. In fact, you can see it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Obedience seems to be a central theme throughout Scripture. From the story of creation in Genesis all the way through Revelation, you can't really even turn the page of your Bible without directly or indirectly seeing God's call for obedience in his people. Even Jesus, not not only that, but even Jesus said, believe me, He said, believe in me, but then Jesus also said, follow me. So there was not just a thought of belief, there was an action accompanied by that belief. So he said to his disciples, believe me, and then he says, follow me. There was something that we had to do with the belief in which we had in our mindset. And we see this, again, all through the Old Testament. This is why in the Old Testament you see the up and down nature of God's people because for a moment, they captured God's heart, and then for a moment, they threw it away, and they didn't walk in his ways, and then destruction came, and they remembered, oh yeah, why is this happening? Oh man, we've gone wayward, and they come back into God's love, and then they would walk in disobedience, and we see this push and tug and pull, and so in the New Testament, it's no different. We still see this. Jesus comes in love, though, and he says, look, I've already overcome the world. My love has already overcome the world. There will be days where you're pressed and you're crushed, but you're not gonna be persecuted or abandoned, not destroyed. And so Jesus is coming in, and he's telling us in this moment, there is something that goes along with your belief. The foundation of all of this, though, comes from his love, and our response is obedience. I don't know why it is, but I think that part of it is, I feel like when we turn 18, all of this goes out our window. It's like we understand that we're under rules and regulations, and then 18, some of us in here just go, freedom, right? And then we go off and we do our own thing, and we take liberty with that. We have freedom to live how I want, freedom to do what I want, freedom to think how I want, and there's only one problem in light of that freedom, and that problem is there's this little tricky scripture verse in Galatians 2.20 that stands in front of that. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You see, something happens when we cry, freedom! We forget that our freedom is because we've died and Christ lives in us. Amen? Amen? Our freedom is because we're no longer living for our sinful nature. We're no longer living in our disobedience. We're no longer living to please ourselves. Our freedom comes because we know that Aaron Wallace, before Jesus, is gone. Praise the Lord. Amen? But sometimes I still sneak candy into movie theaters, all right? Our freedom comes from knowing that we've been crucified with Christ and we no longer live. And that throws a kink in our plan. So you're saying that, man... I want the love of God, I acknowledge the love of God, I acknowledge that God, that Jesus Christ is the son of God, but now I've got to walk in his commandments. And the answer is yes. God commands us to obey, not because he's on a power trip, because he wants the best for us. He's not trying to kill our fun. He's not trying to uh, decrease our enjoyment. God's commands are not to box us into anything. He simply wants to protect us and love us. Just to make sure you get this, I wanna I want make sure you understand, walking in obedience is not how one becomes a Christian. You don't find a list of rules and say, if I find this list of rules, I'll become a Christian. He's not saying that to be saved or to receive God's grace, you have to follow a bunch of rules first. I want you to understand that because there, this is a way a lot of people grew up, is believing that somehow I've gotta follow the rules and then God's grace comes. No, 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 no. Before you ever could even know about the rules of God, God's grace came and saved you, pursued you, sought you out, was put on a cross so that you could know him. And so I'm not, I want to make sure that you get that in this place today. And so here is what he's saying. Here's how you know that you have, are walking in God's love. This is how you know that you have love for God's people. Is obedience to his commands following your life? In the Old Testament, in Hosea chapter 4, verse 1, the prophet Hosea complained about the people of Israel. And here's what he says there is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in this land. Listen to what Hosea is saying there is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement from God in this land. Well, how does he know that? He follows it up in verse 2. So he says there's no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement from God. How is he determining that? What is it that he's determining that there's no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement from God? Here's how he determines it. In Hosea 4.2 he says there is only cursing and lying and murder and stealing and adultery. So the way that he determines that there's no love for God, that there's no acknowledgement for God, that there's no faithfulness, is he's looking at how the people of Israel are living their life. So he's building a standard here of going, look, based on what I'm seeing, there tends to be no faithfulness, no love, and no acknowledgement, because there's cursing, lying, murder, stealing, and adultery, and that's not the God that we serve. Amen, church. Understanding your love for God and his love for you involves knowing his character, knowing the requirements, and living in obedience to those requirements. And his requirements are simply this, love God, love people. I mean, Jesus summed it all up in the great commandment, love God, love people. How do you love God, love people? You obey his commands. (laughs) So just want to Make sure then that you get that part there, that it's obedience does not equal salvation. Jesus equals salvation. Obedience is the byproduct of receiving the grace of God in your life. There's a desire that raises up in you. Number two, real quickly, we, we, so we see it just as God wants to control my life. We don't see it as love. And number two, we see it as too hard. We see it as too hard. Look what verse three says. And his commands are not, somebody say not, not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. Jesus tells us this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weak and weary and heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is what? Somebody say easy. Somebody say easy. Say it, kids, loud. Easy. For my yoke is easy, for my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden that I give you is light. He is telling us, look, I know that there are some of you out there that are going to come to me, and you're going to look, and you're going to say, God, your commands are just so tough, they're so burdensome, man, what you want me to do, your your requirements, boy, they just weigh heavy upon me. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 they're light, they're light to bear, they're light to bear. My burden is light, my yoke is easy. He wants you to get this in your heart today. Because if you love me, he says in John, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And some of us in here are going, man, I just don't feel like they're light. Loving others, serving others, watching my mouth. That doesn't sound light, right? Watching what I put into my heart, not loving money. I mean, this is what he's telling, this, this is what he's telling us. You read through his word, you'll find a lot of things. It's like love other people. <laughs> That's not burdensome. Well, some of you, you don't know. You don't know. He's like, serve other people. Like, what you watch, be careful. What goes into your heart, be careful. What comes out of your mouth, these are just everyday things that most of us in here, on a morality line anyways, would say, yeah, we should probably do that. Don't go get trashed every weekend. Like, most of us in here would be like, well, that's destructive anyways. So he's going, this is what I'm asking of you. It's a protection. It brings abundant life. He's not trying to take it away from you. It's like a parent who says, don't touch the stove. Don't play in the street. Don't put things in the light socket, right? And we're not going, ah, oh, you're taking away all my fun. Can't believe I can't stick metal things in the light socket. I don't like you, mom and dad, right? Like, n- that's ludicrous. No, nobody in here is going, yeah, man, we should let our kids play in the lights. We should let them play on the street. We should let them touch the hot. Here, the stove's on high. Go ahead, honey. Right? Nobody's doing that. Why? Because we know in that moment that's, that's ludicrous. You, you care about those kids. You care about their life. So here's God saying, don't go get trashed. Don't lie. Don't steal. Love one another. Build one another up. Don't focus on arguments in your mind. Don't get caught up in endless debates that lead to nowhere. Do you see what I'm saying? It's light, it's light, it's light. They are not burdensome. Why are they not burdensome? For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Somebody say overcomes. They're not burdensome because at the end of the day, Jesus has already overcome the world. I'm not carrying these things anyways. Jesus carried them for me, so that when I do stumble and fall, and I will, so that when I don't obey, and I will at times not obey, so that when I'm not walking the way I should be walking, and every day is a challenge for me, I'm telling you, every day is a challenge for me, when I'm not doing that, I can still rise up, because Jesus overcame the world for me. So I get to walk side by side with him, trying to do what I'm trying to do in his love, walking in those commandments. And when I mess up, his grace overflows in my life. His grace builds up in my life. So three things, real quick. Three things, three motives for obedience that exist out there. Three motives for obedience. I was reading this article and I thought this was good. We obey because we have to. We obey because we need to, and we obey because we want to. And here's how he broke this down. A slave obeys because he has to. If he doesn't, he'll be punished. An employee obeys because he needs to. He may not enjoy his or her work, but they enjoy getting their paycheck. Do I hear an amen? A believer obeys God's word because they want to. For the relationship between them and God is one of love. And Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Back in youth ministry in the days, I was reading a book one time that asked a question and it says, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I've always loved that. If somebody came in here today, and we were a police state where they came in, they said, we're gonna arrest you because you're believers in Jesus. Would there be enough evidence if you went before a trial and a judge for them to convict you because of the evidence of your life of who you are in Christ? I've thought about that for years in my life. David Platt wrote a book called Radical, and he says this. I was confronted with a starting reality. Jesus actually spurned the things that my church culture said were the most important. So what was I to do? I found myself faced with two big questions. The first was simple. Was I going to believe Jesus? Was I going to embrace Jesus even though he said radical things that drove the crowds away? The second question was more challenging. Was I going to obey Jesus? My biggest fear even now is that I will hear Jesus' words and walk away, content to settle for less than radical obedience to him. He concludes it by saying this. From first the outset, from First, from the outset, you need to commit to believe whatever Jesus says. As a Christian, it would be a grave mistake to come to Jesus and say, let me hear what you have to say, and then I'll decide if I like it or not. If you approach Jesus this way, you will never truly hear what he has to say. The second, you need to commit to obey what you have heard. The gospel does not prompt you to mere reflection. The gospel prompts you and requires a response. Amen? So as we kind of work through that, I want to give you real quick the fruit of that. Band, you guys can come up. Let me give you the fruit of this. And the fruit of this comes from 1 John 3, 21 through 22, something that we read earlier in the summer. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And here's what he says in verse 22. And we will receive, somebody say Receive. We will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him, because we obey him and we do the things that please him. Church, I I was challenged on Thursday night meeting with a group of people. I don't know if you watch mainstream media stuff or if you, you know, read the news much, but you're seeing these church leaders that have once had these really dynamic ministries begin to not just fall away from those ministries by doing things in their life and not walking in obedience and things but you're seeing not only them fall away from those things but many of them are now renouncing their faith and the challenge that we heard from the one speaking on this he said something and it just really gripped my heart he says "As we move in these days As we move in these days closer and closer and closer to the Lord, he says the challenge for us isn't going to be like, man, you know, did I not say a bad word? The challenge isn't going to be like, did I not have a bad thought? He says as we move closer and closer these days, the challenge is that we just hang on so that we can finish the race. The challenge is that... When, when this is all said and done, the challenge in the day and age that we live in now is that we just simply will confess the words by the end of our life that I still believe. Because you're seeing these people that were once fervent in their faith. I think of this one name, you probably recognize, it, it was just on the news, Joshua Harris. He was a mega church pastor. He was big in the youth ministry days of, of when I was a youth pastor. He kind of shaped and defined the purity movement a little bit in the 90s and the early two, two, 2000s with his book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, and whether you loved that book or you hated that book doesn't matter. Here's where he's at now. He's divorcing his wife and he's left the church and he's renouncing his faith in Jesus Christ, and he's walking away from it, and he's putting it out there for the world to see. And so all that's doing, he's just stoking the fire for more people to go, maybe I Maybe I don't have what it t- maybe I don't want to walk in this maybe I don't believe this maybe I don't maybe I don't want this And it all starts from this one place of saying Jesus you love me and in my love and my response back to you, I'll mess up every single day. I will. I'll mess up every day. But my response back to you, Jesus, is that I want to walk in your ways. I want to walk in your commandments. I want to walk in your tenets. I want to walk in your requirements. Why? Not because you're forcing upon me, but because you've done something in my heart that's drawing me nearer to you. So this morning, maybe there's just this little thing that's stirring in your heart going, ah, obedience. Uh, I want to encourage you this morning, deal with things. Take captive whatever it is that you just feel like missing the mark on. Give it to the Lord. I'm telling you, this yoke is easy to bear and His burden is light, He has nothing but desire for you, and if you're out there today and you feel shame and condemnation, then I'm telling you that is not from the Lord this morning. The enemy wants you to feel shame and condemnation, he's trying to manipulate this so that you walk out of here feeling shame, and that is not Jesus. But if you walk out of here and your heart is stirred in conviction of going, man, I wanna love God and I wanna follow His ways, then that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that's gonna lead you nearer and nearer to His heart, amen? So I just wanna pray this over us today. Worship, uh, uh, prayer team is gonna be up here on the sides. Altar is open if you wanna come. I wanna pray over us today that we begin to take this to heart and walk in the ways of the Lord. So Heavenly Father, this morning, nobody loves the word obedience, nobody loves the word commands, But God, we love you. And in loving you, you showed us the best way to live. And in loving you, you showed us the best way, God, in which we can navigate life. And everything in our sin nature, God, everything in us tries to steer us away from that. And so Father, we come before you today and we say, thank you that you showed us a better way. We thank you, God, that you don't attach salvation. We don't have to come and clean ourselves up and first obey before we can come into your grace. We thank you that your grace superseded that, that your grace came before we could ever clean ourselves up, that God, we get you before we ever do a single thing. But then, God, once we get you, once we embrace that love, once your love is showered down upon us, then our response is, Lord, teach me to walk in your ways. So, God, if there's somebody in this place where their heart is stirred in conviction, or maybe their heart is stirred of a challenge, or maybe their heart is just going, I don't know where I'm at. God, I pray that they can find the loving arms of their Savior, Jesus, this morning. For it's in your name we pray these things. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.